TYB On The Run with your host, Katie Halday. This is your daily Bible blast, the perfect fit for your busy life. Just one chapter, one revelation. This will change your life. Hi, TYB On The Run, where we're going to do James 3 and 4 together. Why? They're quite short, so I'm going to power pack them together. How much are you loving studying the book of James? It's meaty, right? There's so much in there that you can just spend a day on one scripture. This is like Proverbs. You could just get one scripture and just chew on it and make sure that as you chew on it, it becomes wisdom, not just knowledge, but wisdom. Wisdom has legs. It is a doing word. And that's what James is all about. Okay. Are you ready? Taming the tongue, James 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Chapter 4, submit yourselves to God. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live in, and do this or that. And it is, and, and it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Oh my gosh, these are two weighty chapters. Maybe I should have separated them. No, we'll have some fun. So as we go through James 3, let's jump back. Did you notice that I, that I started with this kind of scripture that was hard to read as a teacher? It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, again, keep your your sections. That's why I read three and four together, because you can kind of feel that the chapter in three and four shouldn't be there, because he then addresses in chapter four, slandering one another. It's a continuation from chapter three to chapter four that goes throughout this whole book. That's why we say at TYB, read the book. Because if you pull pieces out, you're missing. You're kind of only reading half one chapter of a full book story. So let's have a look. He says, because you will be judged more strictly. He talks about this and he says, guys, teachers, because they teach with their mouth, because they use their mouth to instruct, because their mouth has almost authority and power. He says you will be, and another version actually says that teachers will be judged double, that when we get to heaven, we will be judged on what we taught as well as what we did in our life, which is a scary moment and a very sobering moment for all teachers. Why? Because you are in a position of authority that you are instructing people in their lives. You are instructing them on how to live. And he says, take that with, uh, with wisdom. I love this. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He's saying, watch. He says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say. Oh, he's saying, watch what you say. And then he kind of expands on it. And he does this beautiful metaphor moment, which is the same as what he's saying in the beginning. If you have the authority and if you use your mouth to teach, understand that you can change the course of somebody's life and be very sober in that. He says, let me, let me show you how powerful your mouths are. And he's not just instructing teachers here, guys. This is about the power of the tongue. This is about what you say. When you, when you speak into people's lives, when you, when you slander, can I say that I, I understand this is about our lives personally. This is a, about how we direct our lives. And when we speak, we, we turn the ship of our life. I understand that. But what James is saying about this is you have the power when you speak over other people. You have the power to turn that ship, which is quite amazing. And, I, and I'm going to kind of wrestle with this because he's definitely saying your tongue directs your life, but he's also saying don't underestimate the power of what your tongue can do in a, in a, in a forest. <laughs> with people around you, you can say something slanderous and you will set that thing on fire. 
And he kind of talks about that when we put bits into the mouths of horses or make to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. He's saying this is the power of this tongue. I love this. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. When you speak over your life, the thing that changed my life um, when I was about you know 20 years ago was I stopped speaking ill of myself. You're an idiot, Katie. You're this, you're that, you're worthless. And I stopped confirming what was in my head and I started confirming and agreeing with the word of God over myself. I started saying, you are more than a conquering Christ. Now I had moments, let's be honest, where I was having a day. That doesn't reverse. I feel like some people feel like if you say one thing wrong, you reverse everything else. Be very liberal about this, guys. You're going to have a bad day. Let me say that. But most of the time, keep your rudder on one path. Keep it strong and positive and try, especially in relation to your own life, speak well of yourself. I could speak well of others. I couldn't speak well of myself. And I had to really change that before, you know, God really stepped in and used me. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whenever the, wherever the pilot wants to go. This rudder is this, your tongue is, is steering your life. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire. Can you hear what he's saying is it's not just guiding your life. He's saying you're making great boasts and you're setting fires wherever you go. The, the key to a life is look behind you at the mess you leave when you leave a room. If you look behind you and you've you've sparked such anger and violence in people, there are some conversations that I have had with people and I have realized that my tongue is is sparking a fire that, that is disgusting. And I've pulled myself up straight away and this is what he's saying. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, the world, a world of evil among the parts of the body. I love James. He doesn't just tell you a point. He takes you on this metaphoric journey and then he tells you that it's pretty much stirred by hell. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. I would love to have heard James preach, to be honest. He's such a great communicator. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. Oh, that's a, that's a warning. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse him. Do you know in Wayne's world, this is my generation, in Wayne's world he said you kiss your mother with that mouth. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's kind of like you cannot have two streams in your mouth. You cannot have cursing and blessing. You cannot. And then he goes on further. He says you can't have fresh and salt water together. You can't have a fig tree that bears olives. He said neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You have to have a mouth that is just beautiful fresh water. You can't mix it up. And I love this moment where he's saying make sure as the image, you are not speaking ill of other people. And he says, don't speak or curse other people with your, with your mouth. They have been made in God's likeness. When you speak ill of other people, he's, can you see how we've swapped from the individual, you can turn your life around ship, to this is actually more about as well the way you speak to others the way you curse other people who are made in God's likeness, the way you speak badly in situations that set things on fire. Keep your tongue under control in your personal life as well as with other people. And then he keeps going. There's two kinds of wisdoms. Now, we know that James is very much about the two steps. We've been through that. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their life. And again, he's just reiterating what we've gone through. Can you feel it building? That's why we read the whole book because you can feel he's kind of building on this. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it 
or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. I love this. Unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil practice. Now we're building on this tongue moment. Okay, okay, guys, we're still in that section. He's saying those who teach know your authority because your tongue can guide people's lives. Then he says, let me talk to you about personally. Your personal life is like a ship and the rudder guides where you go. And he says, now let me tell you about what you speak about other people. You can set a forest on fire by sending sparks into conversations that that cause harm. And then he goes one step further. Can you feel that? Unfortunately, we've got a bit of a breakdown here with the subject title, but it's building. And he says again, he says, envy and selfish ambition, when that comes out of your mouth, is you find disorder and every evil practice. It's got the same sense of your tongue being full of hell. He says envy and selfish ambition sometimes drives us to say things to people. Envy and selfish ambition sometimes drive us to put people down. He says, don't do that. He says, I love this. He says, there's two two ways to live. You can live a life of envy and selfish ambition around people. And he says, in 17, he says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. Can you feel that one selfish, envy and selfish ambition, the metaphors that he uses around that is quite tense and extreme, unspiritual, demonic. And then this beautiful essence of when you allow your tongue to be guided by the wisdom of heaven, there's peace-loving, submissive, merciful, Good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Again, this beautiful proverbs of what you sow, you will reap. This beautiful understanding of two ways of living. Your tongue can live setting hell on fire. (laughs) Envy and selfish ambition in your tongue will destroy people around you and your own personal life. But he says, let your tongue be guided by the wisdom of heaven. And that takes, guys, discipline and practice. That takes keeping your mouth shut. There are moments where I know God says to me, keep your mouth shut. Why? Because the thoughts going through my head should not come out my mouth. <laughs> when I'm having conversations with people and I think of things to say and I'm like, and, and sometimes I, I, you know, I have to repent because it blurts out before I think. Most of the time I can say, do not say that, Katie. Tame your tongue. This is either a ship going this way or a ship going the other way. This is either going to set this conversation on fire and harm this person or you're going to keep this under control and be peace-loving, be submissive, be full of mercy, be impartial and sincere. Can you see that these traits are actually about other people? It's considerate. It's peace-loving. It's submissive. Can you see? It's about the relationship and your, uh, with others. It's about what your tongue does to the people around you. Now let's jump into Chapter 4. Chapter four is about submission, submitting yourselves to God. And the whole thing is about submitting yourselves to God. Okay. So we've come under this essence now of taming our tongue and submission in our, in our words now to our life submission. Let's have a look. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Again, he's talking about how you're speaking to other, one another, how you're acting with one another. James is very big on how Christians interact. Don't they come from your desires? Again, remember, we went back, desires are bad. We, we had that in Chapter 1. Your desire um, conceived gives birth to sin, sin gives birth to death. So we know from the beginning chapters that desire is bad. You desire but do not have, so you kill. Can you hear how desire leads to death? He's, he's confirming that in this, in this section. You cover but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. 
when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Can you see that even when you ask God something, even though before he says, when you ask for wisdom on the right path, God will give it to you. He's kind of coming in that parallel again. He's saying, there's another side of that. When you ask with the, for the wrong motives, you're not going to get it. And I love these, when you read it all together, you can see these two parallels forming. You adulterous people, <laughs> I love this. Don't you know that friendship with the world means an enmity against God? He's basically saying if you're friends with the world, you're an enemy of God. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Black and white, our James is. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Oh, can you feel this? Paul, sorry, James is drawing us in and he's saying, guys, if you are so caught up in the world, selfish ambition and, and your mouth portrays the world, then that is actually an enemy of God. Can he? Can you see how he's saying these two paths do not, do not mesh together? You cannot have words without deeds. You cannot have faith without deeds. Now he's saying you cannot have fresh water and salt water in your mouth. They, they're two ways of living, just like Proverbs says, wisdom and folly. He's doing that. And now he's saying, if you love God, I love the world, then you're an enemy of God. There, You cannot have the world in your mouth. You cannot have the world in your life. You cannot be so caught up. Now, what do we talk about the world? Talk about the world's systems, the world's thinking, the world's understanding. When you're wrapped up in that thinking and understanding and not the what the word of God says, what Jesus says, you cannot have those two together because that is a double-minded man that is dangerous and he's going he's gonna to actually say that here. Okay, so let's have a look. In uh, 4.7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Pur- purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's saying make a choice. Now this beautiful scripture is submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I have had this big beef with Christianity and I'm just going to do this well because I've just learned that the tongue has authority, that some of us are resisting the devil and he's not fleeing. Resist. I'm resisting. I'm rebuking. I'm resisting in my prayer life. I'm resisting. You know, when sin comes against me, I'm resisting. I'm resisting. And it's not working. If that's you, can I tell you what you're missing? It doesn't say just resist the devil. That's That's Um, Step two of the program of the devil fleeing from you. Number one, it says, submit yourselves to God. Number two, resist the devil. Number three, he will flee. He's not fleeing from your resisting. He is fleeing from your submission. If you have not submitted that sin to God or submitted that behavior to God and all you're doing is resisting, resisting, resisting the devil, he's not going to flee. What he's fleeing from is a heart that is submitted to God. The power of submission is what James is saying here. Submit your tongue to God. Don't just be so disciplined in your tongue that you you have boundaries and you can't say that. No, my tongue is submitted to God. What does that mean? In that submission, I am openly saying, God, I have, I'm repenting. I'm openly saying, God, I have an issue with my tongue. And in that submitting to God, that is the power that Satan is fleeing from. <laughs> in that moment, sin, for example, sin to speak selfish ambition. I submit it to God and say, hey, okay, God, I have an issue with selfish ambition. So when selfish um, things come into my head, I resist him. 
because of the power of, of submission, because I've submitted it to God, when I resist him, he flees. Can you see why you have to know the whole bi- the whole text? It says, come near to God. And he's saying, don't be double-minded. Make your choice which, which way you're going to live, the world or God. I love this. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not, and again, he's reiterating, don't slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the, the law and judges it. And then he says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you Who are you to judge your neighbor? Again, when I go to speak ill of somebody or I go to put somebody down, I hear the wisdom of James saying, who are you to judge your neighbor? You know, when I point the finger that way, three are pointing back at me. (laughs) So if I'm going to point my finger at someone and judge them, three are assessing my own life and that's a scary thought. And lastly, now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to do this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. I love this, this way James communicates. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He's saying your life is like a vapor. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Can you hear again? They're using their tongue for selfish ambition. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Can you feel like at the end he's summarizing everything he said in, the, in, this, in this text? Can you feel that? He's saying, guys, your life is like a mist and a vapor. Give it to God. Live for God. Let your actions permeate your life. Let your actions reflect Christ because your life is so quick. He's saying don't use your tongue to boast and be arrogant. Don't use your tongue for evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do, just do it, he says, because it is sin for them. I love this. Oh, my gosh. He's saying your life reflects Christ. And I love, love, love the book of James, how beautiful metaphor and imagery it is. But it is this essence, guys, that our Christianity has legs. It has to have legs. Our mouth, we have to put our money where our mouth is for Christianity. They have to be able to hear what you are saying and that what you are saying is guided by a tongue that is good that your life, your actions, your words, can you feel this whole body moment where he's saying your actions have to reflect Christ, your mouth has to reflect Christ, your your words have to reflect Christ, everything you do reflects Christ. And I love that TYB as we are in this beautiful book of wisdom and instructions from the brother of Jesus, James, the head of the church, he's very wise and we have this wisdom text. I pray that you wouldn't just take this um, on board as words but take it on actions. Again, as you submit yourself to God and in that power of submission, you resist the devil, he will flee. Again, keep your tongue under control. And lastly, do what your Christianity in your heart is saying to do. Act your Christianity out. Don't and be good with your words, but faith without deeds is dead. I hope you've loved studying James, guys. Go and read James 5. Go and read it. Be in this beautiful book. Love studying the book with you.